Gab and Girl Time contains explicit sexually mature themes and is intended for a mature audience. The opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect the views of any platforms, sponsors, or social media. My wife's name out of your fucking mouth. I said. <laughs> uh, can you believe that? People are so starved for attention sometimes. Uh, is it or is it just to keep us deflected? Here from would be the everything else that's going thing on. that could have been done. All right. So that happens, right? It's a bad joke. You know, ugh. I have my own reasons for that. But after Will Smith had won his award, if he had just kind of went up and said and just like shamed Chris Rock in like the worst way. My wife is beautiful. She's wonderful. You know, really in poor taste. You know, I'm really disappointed in you. Blah, blah, blah. I think that he would have garnered a lot more uh, sympathy than just going up and slapping somebody in the face. On the other hand, though, sometimes... And I will preface this. This is a joke. Sometimes people are not slapped enough. You know what? (laughs) For the dumb stuff that comes out of their mouth. You need more face slapping? Here's here's my hot take. What's your hot take in a minute or less? Um, I I agree with what you said. I think Will Smith is also a comic. People forget that. Right. You know, like, yes, he's a rapper, but he also did a little stand up stint as well. And um, he absolutely had all the tools to roast him, but he didn't know he was going to get an award. So that's the thing there. I do think that a lot of their marriage issues are a catalyst for that. And there's a lot going on behind the scenes. I just think Probably. it was a dumb People move. know too much about their life, I guess. I think that's what, unfortunately, people sign up for. That might be issues that I have with not wanting to work hard on going viral or anything. Like, I just want to go do stand-up. I don't care about the stardom part of it. I want to get paid to go tell jokes. And I'm not very good with the, hey, look at me, look at me, social media, you know. I just don't... So I'm super excited. So last week, we got our first email. It was so great. (laughs) It was the best. It was so awesome. And this person kind of disagreed with some of the things that we were saying. I want to say that we are not experts in any field whatsoever. I may talk that way, but I can tell you, I ain't got no credentials behind me. Yeah, let us be a life lesson. Just because we (laughs) say it with authority doesn't mean we have any, you know? Exactly. It's, It's just radical nonsense. But we were like, okay, well, we would love to talk to you. Come on the show. And she has graciously done so. And I want to welcome, are you doctor or? No, I'm a master's level clinician. So you could just use my first name. Okay, great. So we'd like to welcome Karen Swanee. Hello. Hello. Hello, Karen. So if you could just run down your credentials real quick. I'm um, I'm licensed in Florida and Tennessee. Um, in Tennessee, I'm an LPC, MHSP, and in Florida, I'm an LMHC. So basically, I'm a licensed professional counselor. 
I have additional certification in animal-assisted psychotherapy. I'm an OCD specialist, and my kind of sweet spot for client base is people with ADHD, autism spectrum disorder, uh, queer folks, because I am queer, and um, I also do um, counseling with kinky people. I think that about covers my special interests. I tell you, you are in the right place to be right now because Gail and I are a lot of those things that you just mentioned there. Um, okay, so let's get started with the acronyms okay. for people because we're going to, we'll break those down first and then sure. that way. So everybody knows what ADHD is, I hope, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And you were telling me earlier that it's all right adhd now all adhd because um so there's primarily it's adhd with a modifier of primarily it's always primarily primarily inattentive primarily hyperactive or combined type and so a lot of times when we think about hyperactivity we think about like those five-year-old kids who cannot sit down you know but not everybody is bouncy and i'm not a bouncy person but i have combined type because my hyperactivity shows up in typical ADHD kind of traits of answering questions before people stop asking the question. Um, you know, having like no chill on impulse decisions. Like my impulse control is pretty poor. Mm -hmm. um, I've worked on that a lot. That's gotten a lot better. Um, there's probably some other markers of the hyperactivity I don't know about. I fidget a lot. Like I, I have fidget toys in my office and I bounce my legs and that sort of thing and so that's where the hyperactivity kind of comes from like i'm not bouncy at all but it's possible to not be a bouncy person and still experience some amount of hyperactivity and so um though i do want to say something about the dsm which is where we get like where all the words and all of the diagnoses come from it's a political document 100 percent a political document and so diagnoses change over time and so with the dsm-5 which i should have looked up when that came out that's been i don't know five years more right they changed they took it off of it they yeah Did well they? because then yeah they? it's yeah. and in the you know in the 70s homosexuality was in there and then that got taken out and so like it's it's trying to reflect sort of an increased understanding and also social norms shifting and so like they did away with the add and so now it's all adhd okay asd autism spectrum disorder okay and that's just and you were telling me again that there is no there is no asperger's right that, uh, so they they took away asperger's um in large part i believe because they felt like too many people were being diagnosed with it again political document and heavily insurance companies heavily interested can you in explain that. to me quickly what asperger's is um and how it's different from autism or if it's, it's not at all okay it's not at all it's it's all autism it used to be well it used to be this delineation between what they call high functioning and low functioning and so if you were high functioning and you could like hold a job and pay your rent and whatever they call that asperger's but it's all autism and um the terms high functioning and low functioning first of all it's not really a spectrum as we think about a spectrum as like a like a straight line it really doesn't look like that it's really more of a disc and so like i'm 
you know, high functioning in this area, but in this other area have a deficit. But it's not like just like I'm over here or I'm over here. You know, it's just kind of like where are my skills on this little map? Um, but I want to talk really quickly about the terms high functioning and low functioning. High functioning is a term that's used to deny people support and services. If you have a kid in the school system, they are quote unquote high functioning, then good luck getting any kind of accommodations for them because mm-hmm. they look normal and they're like ring, he ring, can ring, do it, right that bell <laughs> and then low functioning and i have a daughter we adopted a kid she's uh, about she'll be 18 in august she's nonverbal and she's autistic um she's in there though like if you leave your phone around she's gonna jailbreak it like she's in her head she just can't really she doesn't can't really talk it. and so um low so she's considered low functioning but low functioning is used to deny people their humanity mm-hmm. because if you're mm-hmm. low functioning like i we, i don't want to get off you no, know no, they, stop me from tangents but you well, i don't want to get I off can't on stop this gail t- from tangents on this tangent but we have a safe with disabilities word. Are often considered like one of the big areas that nobody ever talks about are people with disabilities who are quote unquote low functioning, whatever that means, that they are not sexual beings. And we don't think about them being in relationships or what that actually means and and things like masturbation and partnered sex and all of that. That's why I believe prostitution should be legal. People don't. We don't think about that because Mm -hmm. they're quote unquote low functioning. Whereas if you are a normie like whatever that means but oh are you dating are you you know do you they have try like... to villainize i'm sorry mm-hmm. i interrupted no, you okay. they tried to villainize people that they consider low functioning too whenever they're sexual it's almost as if it's bad and you're not supposed mm-hmm. to and right how dare you have any of these feelings well there is so there's this really weird awful kind of area when i so one of the things one of the the markers of autism is rigid and inflexible thinking and also a lack of being able to generalize appropriately so that means like if if i'm at my house and i know to put the dish in the dishwasher but i come to your house that's not my house with my dishwasher and my dish so i now have no idea what i'm supposed to do like that's a lack of generalization and so because it's so difficult to get concepts, especially esoteric type of consent is not esoteric, except the word consent doesn't mean anything. Like my kid knows hot and cold, mm-hmm. like because she can feel that. It's very easy. I can pull something out of the freezer. She can touch it and tell me it's cold. She can touch something and tell me that it's hot. That has actual meaning. What does consent mean? Like the word consent doesn't have like a a meaning that's like pinned in the world like you can't touch consent you can't does that make sense like love 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 is the same thing what does that actually mean right and so when people have kids who are i keep using the term (laughs) low functioning but when you have a kid who doesn't really get it you have to start talking about things like consent when they're five and six yes. and seven, because it's going to take them till they're 22 to kind of get the concept. And some some part, I think, well, some part of us not wanting handy or disabled people, whatever, to be sexual, is, it makes us, the rest of us, uncomfortable. But 
um, another part of it, there have been, you know, issues where if no, because in this country, we don't like to talk about sex with anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll be all over the TV, but God forbid you talk to a nine-year-old about making responsible choices about porn. And so kids grow up and they have no information and, you know, testosterone's a hell of a thing. And so you get like a, a 15, 16-year-old guy mm-hmm. who has all these feelings if he's mentally behind my kid runs about four years behind now she will never catch up like she's pretty much an adult now and she's going to stay probably in the area of about 14 years old developmentally because it's just she's just probably not going to catch up but if you have a kid like that and he's 23 but in his head he's been hanging out with 13 year olds his whole life and now Mm -hmm. he's sexual that's an issue i have a my best friend one of my friends who passed away her son is in jail Mm -hmm. right now because he is an adult who um was he is not functioning uh as well as Mm -hmm. he is but because he looked the part and looked good he lied when he you know his mom wasn't there he and so he lied about his status and his mm-hmm. disability because he was tired of having a disability. Right. That's fair. And then he um, has he's now in jail because of inappropriate sexual behavior with minor mm-hmm. because uh, one he you know now he's tried as a normal functioning whatever that is uh to the courts but as well as have an extremely inappropriate behavior right and um you know it's sad because he he's now this is it for him he yeah whether and, he survives it or not is a whole nother thing and when and he comes out his life is still over because yeah, we over. do not do well and rightly so right rightly so but it's life is hard so honestly if anybody is listening and they've got a kid who's you know a behind you have to start talking about that super early even mm-hmm. my my boys who are neurotypical kids as near as I can tell. Is that the new <laughs> neurotypical is the the terminology that we use for what people consider, quote unquote, I hate the word normal because right. I've never well, ever so been typi- normal. So typical, I, I try to use typical because typical normal? Yeah. Nobody's normal. I'm not sure. Like a lot of stuff that we believe is true on a societal level is based on basically lowest common denominator of whatever group they tested. And most psychology stuff is is tested on college students because Mm -hmm. they're a captive audience and but what are you getting with college students you're getting students who went to college and so they you're presupposing that the typical is this level of intelligence this level of income Mm -hmm. this level of not having trauma or whatever whatever and so I'm not sure what neurotypical means, but in this case, I'm using it to mean like I haven't detected any autism. It's possible with my kids because I'm autistic, but they're quote unquote neurotypical. And when they were probably nine, I started having conversations with them. The average age kids start looking at porn is eight. That's the yeah, average. I think it's age. even younger nowadays. We were just talking about yeah, that yesterday. Internet. Well, and it's good if the average is eight. You're going to mm-hmm. get you know yes, on yes, either side, obviously. But so like I talked to the kids about because I'm not anti-porn, but I'm like, look, if they look dead in the eyes, that's not good. Um, 
I'm not trying to cast aspersions, but I was like, stay away from the Eastern Bloc countries. Like, that's not okay either. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was willing to pay for them to have access to paid sites that seemed to be a little bit more, everybody had a hand in this and nobody looks like they're drugged out of their mind. And I'm not saying anything about drug use other than if you have to do a lot of drugs to get through something, Mm -hmm. that's not awesome you're not getting through it yeah you're you're numbing now i'm assuming that you did this at at an appropriate age like you didn't say oh here's porn at nine no No. but at nine we started talking about talking about it porn and people doing i i homeschooled my kids because eh, not from a religious perspective but i wanted them to grow up with a little bit more we were in the panhandle of florida and i did not want them grabbing really? any of that I grew up in Pensacola. Uh, yeah, we were in Panama City for yeah, way too long. Yeah, I gotcha. Soul destroying. But um <laughs> but I didn't want them picking up all the Republican stuff. And so anyway, they're homeschooled, but we started talking about it early and often, much to their horror. <laughs> so right. that when it came around to when they finally were developmentally at the age where that was going to happen anyway hopefully they had taken on board these ideas early on then they could make more informed decisions because the other thing that happens to people and i we don't talk about this in the culture enough is if your kid starts watching porn at eight he's not looking for granny porn that's not happening mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. what's he looking for barely legal he's looking for people who look close to and i say he but girls too look close to their own age right and you know kink and stuff that starts in before puberty we know that Mm -hmm. and so like if that's what your head hits on and goes that's my thing well when you're 35 that's illegal and so like it's important to have these conversations like early Mm mm-hmm and it helps with so well in the type of conversations because when we moved here um from florida we lived here for like a year in 2000 and uh, for the first time ever my kids rode a bus to school and it had various ages Mm -hmm. from kindergarten to high school on this bus and their first day they come home my daughter's crying my son's like do to do i don't know what's going on and um my daughter's crying because she learned all about butt sex literal is like what's butt sex and what are they gonna do and so i'm having to tell my seven-year-old yep what this is while riding the bus and then i you know i promptly went next door uh to the older girls that were over there and i did their hair and they were kind of tough girls Mm -hmm. in the neighborhood and i was like i will be cool to you watch my kids you know like and Mm -hmm. so then they had like the hillbilly gestapo watching helping them through the rest of the time nobody mentioned anything even close to with the children but it does get um I mean, you have these conversations, but we do need a dialogue now, especially because back then in 2000, as a mother, I wasn't, the internet was not as prevalent. Kids didn't have phones in their pockets like Mm -hmm. they do now. And so this is just other peers, word of mouth Mm -hmm. or whatever. So my son had enlightened me. Um, he's been in therapy for porn addiction and he has enlightened me to the fact I had no idea about this, but his group of buddies were constantly looking at 
photos mm-hmm. and porn and stuff. And he said the problem is these kids were all our age, but it was child porn. We're looking at child porn, but because we're children, it's right. just normal to us. Mm-hmm. So that was amazing to me. Mm-hmm. Like that was a revelation. I had no freaking idea because it's not in my mind to look at child porn. Right. So I would never, I mean, it would, if it popped up on a pop-up, I would be like, oh my gosh, this is right. terrible. And so um, it is very, it is something to definitely talk about and you don't, but you don't want to shame, you don't want to sex shame your kids for a healthy, something that's healthy, you know? Are you talking about masturbation, something? Talking that, about yeah. everything. Masturbation. I mean, I mean, sex is a healthy kids. thing when it's appropriate, when you're mentally and physically able to, you know, process everything that's going on. Yeah. My kids were horrified because it was their mom. <laughs> but <laughs> but I was, I mean, there was no shame in it. It was just like, look, here's, this is what is responsible. This is what is irresponsible. Meaning, like, are we, as we move through the world, are we doing damage? Mm-hmm. Let's not mm-hmm. do damage. Let's take this in another direction and i think it was okay i mean <laughs> they may have felt a shame i i think mostly it was humiliation and and horrific like understanding mm-hmm. that i was having this conversation with them but it is possible to do it without shaming but you got to be in the right headspace for mm-hmm. that parents who want to pretend like they don't look at porn or or whatever whatever is that's going to be a problem every single time yeah and going back a little bit mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on kink and there being possibly a gene that you're born with or that kink is hereditary within families i haven't heard that ever but here's what i'll Mm -hmm. tell you is what we know is true we know that um kinks develop pre-puberty or we think we know that that they develop pre-puberty and that they are not the the narrative even two decades ago is if you had a kid who had some sort of sexual drive they must have been molested that is not true i can say that from experience yeah. i have mm-hmm. been battling with my kinks and stuff mm-hmm. since i was eight years old mm-hmm. i was literally tying myself up in my closet yep. very secretly and everything yep. so i've been battling this forever never right have never right not that i unless i have like a regression or something like that which like you've i think think mostly our society is just so puritanical that they're like this can't be normal this is not whatever in the bible whatever whatever like it comes from somewhere but we know you know why do people need to pop a balloon before they have an orgasm that's not normal i'm not kink shaming but that's mm-hmm. not normal that shows something happened at some point and it can be fear there are people you know there are people who have been horrifically abused oh, yeah. to humiliation fear kink is real um, very real super common for people who've been raped to have rape fantasies like mm-hmm. so so there it doesn't you know it's it's about emotional arousal hitting your brain at just that right time and as far as i'm like i have memories like i i still remember this it was probably about five my dad was watching the lone ranger and i just wandered through the room and they had you know in the lone ranger they had some woman tied to a pole somewhere and i didn't know why my brain was like "Ooh!" Yeah. but my brain went oh well, yeah. what's that 
Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I didn't have any, I didn't make any meaning out of it until much later. And I went, hey, wait a minute. So I don't know as far as like, is it hereditary? I don't know. Is it nature or nurture? Do you grow up yeah. in a home? Kinky people, one would hope. And if you're not, go to a therapist, should be accepting of the way that they are. And kink should be sane and consensual and all that Absolutely. stuff. And so if you're doing it the right way, then there's no need to be ashamed of it. And so, like, are you growing up in homes where sex is a little bit more easily talked about? Little, you know, more free, less shame-based? If that's true, then are you leaning in a little bit more to, like, your weirdness? You know, like, I, so mm-hmm. I don't know that we know yet, like, how that functions. And the reason that I ask that is, not I've been reading on that as well, and I can mm-hmm. send you what I've read about it. Um, but my mom was an abused wife, mm-hmm. and come to find out that when I've talked to my father about it, who has not been very forthright, but one thing that stuck out to me was he goes, she would fight me. She would pick those fights first. Mm-hmm. Over there. So I... I was kind of wondering if maybe she was like a closet masochist or a closet submissive where she wanted that attention or she wanted that attention from from my father and from several other boyfriends. Mm -hmm. And I guess negative attention is better than no attention. So the 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 beatings, she wanted that in some way. I know it's it's weird to say, but that's that's where my thought process was going that maybe she's not with us anymore so i can't ask those right. questions all i can do is just speculate and well and dream this may hit some people wrong but um a lot of domestic abuse situations are um cooperative not not meaning that but it's like both parties are involved yes. someone's yelling someone's flinging plates then someone catches a beating or whatever whatever or someone's haranguing someone who just walked right. in the door and then there's trouble like emotionally dysregulated people hey i mean I'm, this sounds terrible um water seeks its own level like we are comfortable we not be comfortable but we are comfortable with a certain type of behavior we know how to predict it we know how to get through it i've had several clients who have come from horrific places and then they get finally into a healthy relationship and they're trying to sabotage it because instead of catching a beating for doing something wrong and this is male and female just this is not a gendered comment um they're like i just wish she would hit me because it's easier to shrug off a bruise than dude i am really disappointed yeah Mm -hmm. i'm disappointed is so much more painful to carry and I want, I need to be yelled at and I need, but that person you're with does not want to live life in that way. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we'd have to unpack your mom and, you know, what her childhood was like and all of that thing. I mean, one of the things I talk to clients about all the time is in general, unless you have monsters for parents in general, most parents are trying to do better for their kids than what they had. Mm-hmm. And if we roll, I'm 50, if we roll it back to my great great grandfather he was just trying to keep food on the table right Mm -hmm. and keep kids alive and you know people went to work they drank a lot and they beat the hell out of each other it wasn't that there wasn't any mental illness it's like if you're trying to survive you don't have time to be depressed and lay in the bed you have to go to work anyway and so like how great was your how great were your mom's you know 
great grandparents. Right. Probably not awesome. And so like in and so then breaking generational trauma becomes each generation needs to try to do better about the way they yeah, a lot interact. Of discipline was just, you know, if you don't listen, you have to feel. Right. Period. And yeah. to, you know, be done with that. But I think a lot of the um a lot of uh, our sexual proclivities, younger even, or at the age, hormones play a lot of part in that too, physiologically yep. as well as psychology. Just, you know, from my own experience, I started ministering super early, like mm-hmm. at nine in fourth grade. Mm-hmm. It was um, not the greatest. I was the only one doing it, so it was very weird. And But I remember distinctly, you know, We've talked about it before about how sexually charged we were at a young age without any type of abuse or whatever. Mm-hmm. For me, I am sure it's hormonal. Like when you look at even how people act uh, or you say, oh, this person is, you know, they're starting super young or whatever. I can almost. So let me see. This, were you fast? Were you yeah, labeled a fast, fast girl? She's a fast girl. Don't I, hang I was her. labeled all kinds of stuff. She's fast. I was told, you know, I was a whore mm-hmm. and then a virgin because mm-hmm. I wouldn't do it like shamed for being whatever. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I had a body like a grown ass woman, you know, huge boobs, little waist, big butt in, you know, fifth and sixth grade. It was horrifying. Mm-hmm. Old men treated me as well. <laughs> anyway. How does trauma um, affect ADHD and autism? So I want to first say that I do not specialize in trauma. I'm not a trauma therapist. Um, So, well, I mean, you know, anything that's dysregulating does not help a person who cannot regulate. Mm -hmm. So there's that. Um, In terms of like small trauma, I'm not talking about like big things, but... Um, for autism I mean what's a small trauma well I'm uh, about to tell you so (laughs) when I was younger and nobody knew um large machines like backhoes and dump trucks and the air brakes were startling and you know because my sensory system if your sensory system's always on things like um incandescent lights I hear those Mm -hmm. um a squeaky wheel on a cart somewhere somebody's body odor i smelled that like the whole world was just assaultive for my whole life and so every if every time you venture outside something overwhelms your system that's trauma but it's not trauma like i was a child soldier or i was sex traffic trauma Mm -hmm. it's just you know a continuous kind of assault and so then a lot of us end up sort of hyper vigilant to things like that um and so like but also, I think, again, not child soldier sold into sex slavery, but like smaller tr- traumas happen to all of us. And it's about, you know, it's always hard to know because you have to know, like, how supportive was your environment? One of the things that it's, I have a grandkid, she's two and a half, and I'm trying to do things with her to help her like label her emotions better her mom has some problems with emotional dysregulation and so it's really important to me that this kid grows up a little bit more stable than that and so like if she falls over you know most adults will run over to a toddler Mm -hmm. and scoop them up and go you're okay Mm -hmm. what we're trying to say to these kids is 
You're not going to die. Don't be that afraid because you're. this is all right. Like, it's going to mm-hmm. be okay. But what we're doing is saying whatever it is you're feeling right now is invalid. Mm-hmm. Right? You get the same thing later on. Don't cry. Why mm-hmm. are you crying? Because it's invalid. Right? So I'll scoop my granddaughter up and I'll, I, I catch myself, usually after the fact, pick her up. You're okay. And I'm like, I bet you were scared when you fell down. Like, mm-hmm. trying to give her mm-hmm. the emotional labels. So it's hard to know if we talk about people now, because this type of emotional intelligence is kind of a new, I'm sure people, some people always had it, but kind of a new thing. Were you parented that way? My mom's a great person. I wasn't parented that way. No. (laughs) I got a lot of like, my dad, who never got out of his chair, by the way, would be like, quit crying or I'll give you something to cry about. He never got out of his chair. He Did never gave me anything. the same parents? <laughs> I, was, I was saying, our, my dad was a fixture. Is Karen and I the same person? <laughs> I have a granddaughter right now as well. She'll be four mm-hmm. next month. And right now, I watch her daily. It is a battle of wills right now. Mm-hmm. Now, it's two and a half pretty good. You can mm-hmm. still kind of mold them in that mm-hmm. way. When they turn three, though, and they start <laughs> having conversations and it and no comes up a lot Mm -hmm. it's really frustrating to me (laughs) as a grandmother and her caretaker i do not like the person that i am becoming Mm -hmm. when i am around my granddaughter right now just Mm -hmm. because of her defiance her being a normal right whatever's normal but a normal almost four-year-old who is just testing the waters here. Mm-hmm. I do not like the person that I am. So my daughter says, well, you need to try this gentle parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's great in theory. But for someone like me who's getting highly, highly frustrated with her and has to leave the room just to well, what's manage she, my what's own What's she doing, emotions. poop it on the couch? No, nothing like that. It's, it's really more of um, we have a routine. Mm-hmm. That, that's one thing that I want to instill in her is having a routine so 30 minutes before her mom comes it's like okay it's time to clean up it's time you've had the run of the house all day with your toys and everything i need order back it's time to clean up Mm -hmm. it's you know it's right up until that moment five more minutes that's her favorite phrase can i have five more minutes five more minutes five more minutes and you give her the five minutes well we want five more i'm sorry you've already had your five minutes and it's just not it's not hitting with her you know what I mean it's like it's not like oh she's really serious so the point that it gets serious is the point where I have to yell or be a little more affirm um a little more rough and when I get to that point I'm just I'm I'm done I'm done I want her to clean up and I want her to leave okay yeah so (laughs) if she's slow leaking you um then start the cleanup process at an hour before mom comes okay make her clean up most of the mess and then you know you do smaller things if you've got like a game system let her play some video games whatever when mom shows up it's her job to get her out the door if she's playing video games but um also here's the thing we don't do with kids like we expect i don't know why parents want their kids to do things from altruism like Mm -hmm. You're, who wants to I don't want to clean up because it's the right thing yeah know. but they're she's four right mm-hmm. she's got a lizard brain she mm-hmm. doesn't know mm-hmm. this is jello and it's not going to be filled in until she's 25 mm-hmm. so like pay her you know most of us go to work for a paycheck mm-hmm. I love what I do but I could not do it for free and if I was doing it for free I would do it maybe twice a week not 
10 hours a day. Mm -hmm. Um, But we expect kids to do grunt work, horrible, boring stuff, just for the joy of doing it. And that's always going to be a failure. Pay her. Like, it doesn't... She's four. You can give her nickels. You can give her a quarter. You can give her a dollar a day if you needed to. Like, it doesn't have to be amazing. It just Mm -hmm. has to be... Like, and a lot of times, too, with kids, is they... Like, if you help with them or you turn it into a game like how far away can we stand from this toy box and still get stump something in the in the toy mm-hmm. box then you know now it's a competition with grandma and that's a lot of fun like if you're yelling at a four-year-old you've lost mm-hmm. oh i know i you know, know. Uh, for example yesterday uh we have a small karaoke machine mm-hmm. and i let her play with one of the microphones mm-hmm. so, so she can we're big into pretend imagination right. And such. I had to go upstairs to do something. That was not good enough for her to have the one microphone. Right. She wanted both microphones and the whole karaoke machine. Right. So she takes the whole karaoke machine down from the shelf. Mm-hmm. Of course, it falls mm-hmm. and it probably hits her or on her foot or some right. way. And now we're dealing with that. Now mm-hmm. we're dealing with the knocked over karaoke machine and why did you take it down you know i wanted the other microphone is the other microphone better than this microphone you know it's it's things like that like you give children something Mm -hmm. but like most (laughs) humans they just want more they just want more with it right well humans are not good at moderation yeah but so the machine fell on her and she got hurt i don't think she got hurt but i heard it fall and it scared her and she ran upstairs and she was like, I don't know what happened. <laughs> and so, yeah. So like, I, you know, this is, it's easy yeah. to pa- like to yeah. do this, at, like as the Monday morning, you know, quarterback, but you know, I don't know what happened. Yeah. I know what happened. It fell down. Did it scare you? Yeah. It scared me. Didn't I ask you to leave that up there? Yeah, mm-hmm. you did. This is why I asked you to leave it up there. You yeah. know, and if it's like, well, I wanted both. I get that twinkle toes, but you can't have both. You can have one. My granddaughter, I mean, I bought her an Amazon Fire tablet, but she wants to touch my phone. I'm not letting a toddler touch my phone. Mm-hmm. That's a $1,000 computer. And it makes her sad. And I'll be like, I get it that it makes you sad. And I kiss her on her little forehead. But I'm like, but this is mine. Yeah. And it's not yours. And it's okay to have your own things. Yeah. Yes. And boundaries. Oh, I I know. It's, no, I'm just and going well, and so like, going forward for people. You know, I think if people it don't if it comes that. up again, then you just say, "Well, I would like to let you play with it, but the last time I did, I gave you the piece you could have, and then you took more than that without asking me, and that hurts my feelings because that's mine. So if you can't play with it the way I need you to play with it, then we're not going to play with it at all." Yeah. And then if she cries about that, you grab her little face and you kiss her on the forehead and you go, I know that that sucks and that feels hard for you, but this is mine and we're allowed to have boundaries because she should also be allowed to have boundaries. Like narrating the internal emotional struggle of kids is incredibly helpful. Like, cause you know, she, if she's trouble at four, can you imagine at 15? Oh, we're already seeing that. Like she already... She already likes to pit her mother um, against me and vice versa Mm -hmm. with um, if I don't let her do something or if I don't make the right thing for lunch or anything, it's uh, it's either one, we cry and we go, mommy, 
me in that slate for 10 minutes that I usually have to tune out or it's that's okay. My mom will do it. My mom will do it. You say, okay, honey, when and that's what I do. I go, home, okay. great. Yeah. Mama it, can do that for you then. Yeah. I said this stuff to my grandkid. I'm like, maybe at your house, but not at mine, kiddo. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And as far as the crying, like, so I'm a, so when I said I don't specialize in trauma, I'm a behaviorist. Before Mm -hmm. I was a therapist, I worked with, I was a zookeeper and I've always trained animals and whatever. And so like the thing you said, negative attention is better than no attention. If you're giving her a drama reward, especially as dramatic as that kid seems to be, you're feeding her exactly what she wants. I know. And I need to learn to ignore you. If you, if you have to, this sounds terrible. What's the balance between ignoring and, and discipline? You know what I mean? Like complete abandonment, ignoring, I'm just ignoring you the entire time or because of your behavior, or I'm ignoring you for five minutes because you've done something well so i mean if she's whining you know you'd be like you know what um grandma can't hear whining what you need to you can go sit on the couch you need to take some deep breaths when you're able to talk to me in your real voice we can talk about this Mm -hmm. and that that just tells her there's your boundary it's loving it's kind it's not shoving her to a room and my oldest kid i called him my lawyer you know i would put him in his room i would say like i know that you're mad and i i can see why you would be mad but i don't want to i don't want to watch this so you can go into your room and then when you've calmed down when you've put yourself back together you can come out of your room and he would stand in the doorway because he's still a rule-bound kid (laughs) he would just stand in the door money what I'm going to keep screaming until you let me out. And I'm like, well, you're not coming out until you stop screaming. And then we would have this. This would go back and mm-hmm. forth. But I could do that all day. And eventually, mm-hmm. if he was getting up into what little of his frontal lobe he had at that time, he would stop the screaming. And then as soon as he was calm, I would let him back out. Like, you can have the boundary. Yeah. But probably the kid is getting entirely too much attention for these like her being dramatic and but also she's probably dramatic like you know so part of that too is like I think about like well you know like me with the autism and stuff it's like some of this is just who I am and if you don't like that then hate that for you but we're probably not a match it's harder with little kids because you kind of have to take care of them even when you're like i don't really like you right now (laughs) that's the other thing to at least admit to yourself because we don't do a good job of this women especially do not do a good job of this you can love your kids you can love your grandkids and you cannot like them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like i love you but i don't like you this behavior is not my favorite yeah. Like, that's a common thing i say in my house like my granddaughter she again she's two and a half but i'm laying the foundation right Mm -hmm. like you can't say if she was over this weekend. I don't know. Her dad, my son, was like, like, hey, be careful. I have a cabinet door off in my kitchen. She was walking and just, like, leaning on the cabinets, but the next door was going to be missing. She wasn't paying attention. He's like, hey, be careful. You're going to fall. And her whole world exploded. And I'm like, dude, like, I get it that you're sad, but, like, this is not going to fly. <laughs> like, no, he, she wasn't yelled at. Nobody raised their voice. Nothing. Mm-hmm. And so she's overly emotional, this kid. Yeah. And so like, but she also is too. So she's, you know, an animal right. at this point. Yeah. And so she's got to learn these skills. But the earlier you start with labeling emotions and saying like also what your emotions and boundaries are, the better off she's going to be when she's nine and 10 and 12. 
because every adult that comes into my office I work on boundaries with, we do not raise children with any boundaries at all. And then we all become 20-year-olds with no boundaries. And we wonder mm-hmm. why people are getting the shit beat out of them in relationships and why they are being overworked and why their bosses take advantage and all this kind of stuff because we have no boundaries. I sit with mm-hmm. adults all the time and I'm like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, they blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, and you don't think there was anything wrong with that? Is there something wrong with that? Yeah, there's something wrong with that because <laughs> they're raised with no boundaries. Parents searching through their kids' phones and putting tracking software. If your kid is taken off for iowa maybe you need tracking software on your kid's mm-hmm. phone but you don't need to be going through their phone every night like i would hate mm-hmm. that yes mm-hmm. i you would know. hate having to do that yeah but it's night. also like like better to create an environment where they feel like they can come to you mm-hmm. than you don't i had no issues with my boys at all none no rebellion there was nothing to rebel against and they were fine yeah, yeah i gave myself an award for getting both of my children through high school the legal age of consent Mm -hmm. without major incident so that was cool and Mm -hmm. then they still make mistakes because that's what humans do we all make mistakes but they um they're pretty good and i feel validated because everything that you're talking about is the only advice that i took from my mom because my mom you know she was just dumb as a brick in my opinion until I got older. Every year I got older, she got smarter. And by the time she passed away, she was Albert Einstein. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the piece of parenting advice she gave me is no matter what I was going to choose to do, to be consistent about it. Like, Mm -hmm. it didn't matter. Make that boundary and stay consistent with what you were doing. But it makes me laugh because my daughter was still dramatic. She's still dramatic. But she was very dramatic and would act out just insanely and I would look at her and I was worried that I was maybe splitting her personality because I'd be like I don't know who this is I don't know where my daughter is would you go in your room and get Sarah for me you know go hang in there and find Sarah where's sweet Sarah I don't know who this person is this is not my sweet Sarah so go and then when you find sweet Sarah, come on out. She would do that. And then I was like, oh, my gosh, am I going to give her a good or an evil side now or whatever? But it seemed to work just cooling off mm-hmm. that period for a while. Mm-hmm. But consistency is the most difficult, by the way, to do as well. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about <laughs> tangents. Yeah, I know. Tangents. Um, and talk about ADHD in women and why it has been so misdiagnosed over the past years and how we're just now coming to find out that it is real it's not just men that have it well Mm. we're we're suffering through the backlash of i don't think school is an appropriate environment for human beings it's not normal for like a normal public school like any type of school for an 11 year old to sit for eight hours and then get through a lunch period where they're not allowed to talk at all there's no talking you don't can't touch any people you can't do there's no rough house on the playground there's no nothing there's none of that and um and then they go home and they get four hours of homework like i don't that's not good for kids play another thing i tell all my clients is play is not optional i don't care if you're 70 mm-hmm. you need to play and that is doing something i see you got all this stamping stuff in here it's fine if you're making a birthday card to send to somebody that's great but that has a purpose play has no purpose other than just like i just want to do it 
Mm-hmm. I like to color. Mm-hmm. I just like coloring. You know, like mm-hmm. it has no purpose in making life better for anyone else but me, and that's play. Um, so because kids need to sit down, shut up, so that teachers can make whatever, whatever, like all of that stuff with school, you know, it's hard for kids. And so bouncy kids get in trouble. And I have always had ADHD. I was never in, in, in my classroom ever because you could have me at the chair, but you couldn't trap my head. I Were was you in always, tag? Huh? Were you in tag? Which is well, uh, it, but I'm the, 50. The, the talented and gifted. Yeah, it, we just called it gifted. <laughs> um, and yeah. so, yes, I was a gifted mm-hmm. kid. And um, the only time I was pretty much present was when I would get pulled out of those classes because it was so I was so bored all the time. And so when I get bored, my head does not stay in the space where I'm at. It, I was out the window daydreaming. And so like in girls, it looks different because we are socialized to sit still and be quiet and be people pleasers and all that. And that's not to say that there are not male people who are also people pleasers but boys tend to be rough house and bouncy and hitting each other and running away and all that kind of stuff whereas girls tend to play house or whatever and part of that's being socialized into it but part of it i think is just some natural differences there are rough and tumble girls too and you know whatever but so it was everybody thought it was over diagnosed and so then there was this backlash and I still sometimes see places where it's like, oh, you can grow out of ADHD. That's not true. No, you can't. You can develop skills where now you can sit down and you can do an hour long Zoom meeting or whatever. But, you know, you don't have to get up and flip around in your chair. But that's partially because your frontal lobe fills in and you're like, well, this is a responsibility and I have to fulfill it. But it's neurodivergence, which means ADHD brains are not wired the same as this mythical typical benchmark that we're trying to measure them against and so but in general women go undiagnosed for things because we are so heavily socialized to sit down be quiet be sweet be liked all of that stuff that in a school environment they just need everybody to sit down shut up and color like they're trying to get through there's 37 kids in their class they should only have five you know i mean Mm -hmm. like that i'm not specifically shitting on teachers they are kind of up against it you know but if you're quiet then you're not causing problems right you're gonna look at you Mm -hmm. if are you passing and you're quiet amazing you know Mm -hmm. like you're not the issue i got seven other kids who can't sit in their seat and i've got this one who can't read and this one's got accommodations Mm -hmm. and whatever and whatever and so like it just goes unnoticed most of the time and then we become women without that you know with with adhd and and the same goes for autism and going undiagnosed so i wanted to talk a little bit about late diagnosis and what that means so when you find out you have a diagnosis at first you're like son of a bitch that's what's been wrong with me my whole life and so there's a feeling of like well now everything makes sense and then and then there's a bit of like some grieving where it's like well shit if i had known this earlier my life wouldn't have been nearly this difficult and sometimes there's rage around that because you know i've always been well when i was in i'm from boston when i was in boston it was not that big of a deal but when we when i moved to tennessee every job i ever got my feedback was you're very uh abrasive now i thought that was because Mm -hmm. boston but also as it turns out autistic and i tend to communicate much like men do 
And when it comes out of someone who looks like me, that looks bitchy. And so instead of telling me I was bitchy, they said abrasive. Um, but I've had trouble my whole life because I, I already censor 96% of what it is I'm trying to say. And mm. I'm already working super hard. And so when I'm doing what I consider to be the best I can ever possibly do, and that's still not good enough, that destroys your self-esteem. And so you yeah, arrive I at being... totally see that. You arrive at being this... They talk about something called rejection-sensitive dysphoria, which, you know, stuff comes and goes, um, especially when it's developed by, you know, TikTok or whatever. It's being marketed as, like, something that is true about ADHD, and I don't know that it's... It's not... It's not part of ADHD. It's an artifact of having ADHD, which is if you try your best your whole life and it's never good enough and people are always like, well, you can sit and play video games for 16 hours. How come you can't load the dishwasher? You're, you're lazy. Like People make these implied value judgments about who you are and how you're moving through the world and all of that. Then you get the message that who I am at my core is not acceptable and so then like i've there were times like in my 20s i was a dumpster fire in my 20s um and in my 30s like i had to work really hard at taking constructive criticism because in my head there was no such thing as constructive criticism it was all an ego attack and that's kind of this rejection sensitive dysphoria but it comes from us trying so hard especially if you are a people pleaser especially if you want to be rule like you are rule bound or you want to like be good and you're trying to do all the things and no matter how hard you work it's never good enough and not only is it not good enough somebody's rolling in with a value judgment about who you are as a human being you know like you're lazy you're whatever you're whatever and that's that's hard stuff and it does a lot of damage so you've got a lot of older women you know 30s you know whatever and older who just sort of move through the world feeling a little bit like you know like i don't got this mm -hmm. i don't know why i don't got this i should have it but nobody else seems to think i have it is that an age thing though because i remember my 30s i my 30s were the worst and i was like i don't have it I didn't have it then. I don't know if I have it now. So I'm wondering if it's more of an age thing coming in there. And at what point do you just not care about those things as far as, oh, well, this person thinks I'm lazy. Go ahead. Think I'm lazy. I don't care. Um, well, I tell people I tell people that most, most people's problems is they give too many fucks. Um, and so like yeah. in your thirties is when you're supposed to start shucking off fucks. And now I'm 50 and I have very few fucks to give. Yeah, I'm yeah. 57. And if I had any fucks to give, we probably wouldn't have this interview right now. We, we yeah. wouldn't be doing this interview, you know, yeah. because I would have, if it was 20 and I read that email at 20, I would have internalized everything that you said in that email. And um, even sitting here today looking at the stamping stuff, if I wanted to get defensive, it would be like, like, that's not play. You're right. It is not play for me. Being in the woods for four days at well, a burn is play no, Very for me. specifically, I'm saying that that play, by definition, mm -hmm. play, and... Not structured. In play, in play, no, it's not that. It's just like 
play does have a a purpose but play because adults have a hard time you know it's like well i play i play competitive soccer well no 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 that's not play right because now you have a goal it's goal driven mm-hmm. i got gotcha. your ego is somehow tied to this if you're making and i used to stamp i just don't have time anymore you know when i if i'm like well it's christmas i gotta get all these christmas cards made oh yeah at a certain made it point a at certain point you know it might have started designing it was play but on card 25 it's no longer play yeah I so get stamping what you're now. is play but I'm saying, like, not if you're like, oh, shit, it's someone's birthday. Correct. I got to get that okay, card Okay, now so, I get what you're saying. Yeah. For me, it's just creating. Like, sure. I have so much stuff I have not given anybody or right. whatever. And I think that's with any that, that creating. Is, and so that is play. For me. Right. But, yeah. But it's like, if it's goal-driven, if you're like, I have a deadline. I have to now make we merchandise. And now we don't have, that's not play. I have a mm-hmm. whole bunch of cups that right. I'm like, oh, I should put gabin girl time on these and have our coffee cups and give them right. out and but because that's going to become a chore mm-hmm. right <laughs> i haven't tackled with, it yet <laughs> with with you know it's both a chore but then there's also parameters you know mm-hmm. it's got to look just like this or this you know this decal went on yeah, that's wonky, a job now and so now this is not this cup is not but if you're just sitting and just dorking around and you're like what mm-hmm. happens if i put this over this thing that's play that's yeah. what i'm talking about if i hadn't through growth gotten over myself look what we would have missed you know what i'm saying like i would have missed a huge what i have found in life in general is if you can make it through the offense you're going to come out the other side with a great blessing not all offenses not all offenses deserve to be made through or should you have to bear right you know but Usually if it's a verbal thing or whatever, like I've learned so much today, like a lot today. I really appreciate you being here. I actually very much appreciate your email. I'm just, I'm, well, I'm I always think I'd have devil's to, I'd advocate have to kind re, of a thing. I'd have to reread it, but I, in as I've aged, I've tried to be very careful about labeling behavior and not people. Yes. Like I would never say, well, no, I can't say I would never. There's a few people usually in government in Washington that I think are garbage people and that's definitely about their ego but for the most part I'll be like hey that thing you did was that was uncool mm-hmm. or this behavior is not mm-hmm. that's not right like which you know we are in some ways our behavior but in many ways we're not because you can change your behavior you can't change some fundamental aspects about your mm-hmm. person you know and so like I don't know it gets messy down in there because like you know I could go off on Mitch McConnell but um <laughs> but uh so so in general though with like so verbal things so here's one thing I will just say about ADHD it, and people in general a lot of people don't listen they're listening for silence so they can say the thing they've been planning to say in their head mm-hmm. and when we do that um we're missing a lot of it and so like one of the things I have also had to try to do with myself is stop and check in with people and go when you said blah what did you mean by that or i heard this Mm -hmm. did i get that right and then that allows me before i get my panties in a knot it allows me to like take a minute and say Mm -hmm. which is part of my impulse control like i had to learn to do that Mm -hmm. and like slow down take a breath and go i think what i just heard was this Mm -hmm. is can you is that correct and then now some people are cowards they'll backpedal hard on that but you know if you backpedal it okay right if we both come to the same place Mm -hmm. and you realize you're a little too harsh that's fine but you know learning to do like a check-in on 
what you think you heard Mm -hmm. is really important. And I do think a lot of this is age because, you know, there's there's some we're a social species and human beings are just awful. Like your granddaughter is fucked if no one wants to take care of her. Like, she has no job. She can't drive. She can't even right? get bread. Like, how would she feed herself? She's got nothing. Right? Like, we're not like horses, yeah. which are running in three hours. Yes. You know, human yeah. beings are helpless. We're, we're terrible. And so, like, being outgrouped in your 20s when you're still, let's face it, like, I had my, my son's 25 now, and I'm 50. I had him when I was 25. I was a really good mom. But, like, Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. I did not know what I was doing. No, and like you said before, your brain does not fully develop until Until you're 25. 25. And so, you know, like, um, so in your 20s, you know, you are still, as much as we like to wander around at 18, go, I'm an adult. No, you're not. You're a child. You don't know what you're talking about. And and so, like, at 25, you know, in your 20s, being outgrouped, like, cut off from the, split off from the herd, feels dangerous, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. very dangerous. So, if you're coming for me or whatever, whatever, like, that feels really dangerous. You have too many fucks. <laughs> when you're 50, you know, like, when, even when I was, like, 35, I thought, well, if my husband left me or died or whatever, I'd have to be married within four days. I'm 50 now. No, I don't. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Yes. Will I be yeah. sad? I'll be sad. But I'll be mm-hmm. fine. I'll feed myself. I'll be able to get groceries. I have some people that will take care of me if I need that. You know, like, I will mm-hmm. be okay. I know how to pay bills. I know how to do all that stuff. Whereas mm-hmm. when I was in my 20s, I did not. And so, like... Knowing that you're okay with who you are, and I'm not okay with everything I am, but for the most part, I'm okay with who I am now, allows me to give fewer fucks. Because if Mm -hmm. if you don't like me, like, okay, whatever. But like, you and I don't bump into each other all the time. So it's like, you know, and I don't take that personally anymore either. Like, that's your friendship. And your your friends self-select. If you are who you are when you move through spaces and someone's like, I don't like her. Okay, then you and I can save a lot of time. Let's not Mm -hmm. try to pretend we're friends because you and I are just not going to get along. But let's treat each other. Oh, sure. We be respectful. My thing is always like (laughs) be polite. But but when I was in my 20s. And I remember this distinctly. I could meet somebody and have real strong negative emotions like I hate her, which Frankly, I don't hate anybody, but but if she didn't like me, that would eat me alive. Yeah. Even for yeah. someone I didn't like. It would be worse. That's so stupid. How dare you not like me? And I'm how, fabulous. You know. I know why I don't like yeah. you. <laughs> and so and that's and and now anymore I'm like, okay, well, I'm not everybody's cup of tea. That's fine. Like, mwah, go enjoy your life. Find your people. Because I just want my people. Right. Um, and I get her position. She's working 40 hour week. Mm-hmm. She comes home after work, works in retail, which is terrible, mm-hmm. comes home and definitely doesn't want to deal with a four year old. So she's got some things going on there. I get it. I just don't want to resent. And that's my grandchildren. But that's probably why. I mean, now I'm armchair yeah. guessing. Yeah. But that's probably why your granddaughter is such a pain in the ass because she knows mommy kind of doesn't want her. You know, like, if you're doing yeah. most of the care, but she knows your grandma, not mom, then, like, why is my mommy not doing it? And then if mom's only doing part of it, she's probably just, like, happy for the kid to, like, be quiet. We all do that. Every last one of us does yeah, have our kids at we some all point. Yeah. It in. Yeah. It's like, it's like you, you want a Snickers bar, and that'll give me 15 minutes. I really need to take a shower. Have a Snickers bar. Right. You know, like, so I'm That's not, there's the no. tablet. There's no, and you know what? There's nothing wrong with screen time. When people, when they made the printing press, women were put into asylums for reading too much. That's, mm-hmm. it's just 
technophobe, like it's not any different. And kids need to be able to know how to go online and get information. Mm-hmm. Tablets are not bad. My granddaughter, who's two and a half, can get i don't know how to use my apple watch she knows how to use my Apple. it's what they watch that can be you know problematic but i don't i think i think too much screen time is a problem as well like you said they got to get outside we do nature walks every day where we just go around the block and that's good for her yeah but you know like this is probably you know negative attention is better than no attention and i you know so here's how you can manage that in your head you need to make this a game and don't let her win which means you don't raise your voice you don't Mm -hmm. whatever if she won't clean up you clean up and then when she comes over the next day she doesn't have as much to choose from you be like you know just be like well sorry sweet cheeks but like i had to clean this up yesterday and so here's the five things you can play with because if i have to clean up after you by myself then i only want to clean up this much stuff those are natural consequences and natural Mm -hmm. the hand that burns is the hand that learns Mm -hmm. parents you know kids get bad grades they take away their phones what does that have to do with anything yeah it doesn't make any sense it makes you the villain but if she won't clean up and you have to and you can say with all the love in your heart you don't have to be snotty or anything like i know that makes you sad but it makes me sad i have to clean up by myself so maybe you know if we clean up together today or you clean up on your own then when you come over tomorrow maybe we put more stuff out but if i have to do it this is how much work i want to do it seems like i i really am trying to be the the parent that i wasn't Mm -hmm. with my i have four girls Mm -hmm. that i wasn't when they were younger and that's not working so i have to revert back to the way to my old ways of parenting which i don't like myself Mm -hmm. then um and it really it makes me mad knowing that i can't control that within myself that that just kind of seeps out and i can't control it at times well so you're in a power struggle with a four-year-old i know and you could just put her in a pillowcase and tie a knot in the top. Like you don't have so no power struggle with a four-year-old. You definitely have power struggles when a fifteen-year-old is like "fuck you" and the horse you rode in. I've on. already but, had all that. But too. a yeah. but a four-year-old, like you could put her in the yeah. closet. Like there's mm-hmm. no need for a power struggle. You'd be like, kid, like I own you. Like if it's not for me, you don't eat today. Like you don't tell her that. But like in your own head, <laughs> yeah. just remember, like just know that you're arguing with a four-year-old. That's why I like on? little kids. You can just I pick mean, them it's up and been carry back recording, okay. so right. it doesn't matter. So OCD, you said that you specialize in that? I do specialize in obsessive compulsive disorder. So I want to quickly say something about OCD and ASD. So ADHD, where's my, I made notes because I don't remember numbers really well. So the comorbidity, which means two things happening at the same time, uh, between ASD and ADHD, 20 to 30% of children that meet the criteria for ADHD also meet the criteria for autism spectrum disorder. And 50 to 80% of the children with autism meet the criteria for ADHD. So there's an incredible amount of overlap. And then in terms of OCD, if you have been diagnosed if you have been diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder you have a 50 percent chance of later being diagnosed with ocd if you are an adult and i'm talking i'm talking now about adults if you are an adult who's been diagnosed with um am i getting that right i might be getting that backwards because that's what i do um 
that's wrong. If you're first diagnosed with ASD, you have a 50%. Is that what I said? Maybe that's what I said. 50% <laughs> chance of later being diagnosed with OCD. If yes, you've been that is first you diagnosed with OCD, you have a one in four chance of later finding out that you're autistic. There is a high degree of overlap. When you put people with OCD into a functional MRI, our brains light up differently than other people's brains do. And that's so it's been folded up underneath this neurodivergent kind of umbrella. I do want to say one thing again, back to the DSM being political and diagnoses being about the way. Like, if you came to me and I diagnosed with you with OCD and I need to find you a therapist, I can talk to another therapist and say, This woman's got OCD. Then that therapist and I have just spoken a common language. She's got kind of an idea. And she can say, yeah, okay, that's what that is. But I don't use the DSM. And I just basically, I'm sort of trans-diagnostic. If you're showing up with some obsessive stuff, let's just work on getting that obsessive stuff under control. Like, I don't think they're really, I don't think there are these very discreet buckets that all of us carry around that's like here's where my ocd is and here's my you know anxiety like most people i I have never met anybody with ocd that did not all also have generalized anxiety disorder but we know that autistic brains are anxious brains and so like of course if you're autistic you have generalized anxiety disorder does it need to be diagnosed as a discrete disorder? I don't think it does unless you're talking to insurance because insurance has to have a justification for absolutely everything to pay the bill. So um, so just there's a lot of overlap between ASD and then ADHD. I heard someone call that diet autism, which I thought was funny. <laughs> um, so, you know, like, so it's, it's, it's all that. So I specialize in obsessive compulsive disorder. I have OCD as well. Um, which I did not know until I decided I wanted to treat OCD. And I went to my first training and I sat there the whole time and went, wait a minute, I do that. I do that. I do that. I'm like, holy shit, I have OCD. Can you give some examples? Because I believe that I have a tinge of OCD, but I've seen people with that have been diagnosed with OCD and I'm not that way. Okay. Like, so anything in the world can be an intrusive thought anything mm-hmm. which we call obsessions anything ocd attaches to the things that we care about mm-hmm. traditionally people look at other people and they go well you don't flip light switches and you're not washing your hands a lot you don't have ocd that's what was told to me that's i I'm, absolutely yeah. do mine is moral scrupulosity so there's a subtype of ocd called scrupulosity in the past it's traditionally been religious so like i grew up in boston and I remember when I would walk to school, there was this little, this this little herd of old Italian women wearing widow's weeds. They were like 90. Their husbands had been dead for 40 years, going to confession every day. Catholic Church isn't, I grew up Catholic. I'm not Catholic anymore, but grew up Catholic. The Catholic Church doesn't want you confessing every day. If you're still wearing widow's weeds and you're like 88, what are you possibly doing? You have to confess every day. That's scrupulosity. That's this, I have all this anxiety, and if I don't do this thing, something terrible is going to happen to me. Okay. So, I'm not religious. My OCD takes the form of moral scrupulosity. Am I a good person? Am I a bad person? Whereas, like, if you're religious, it might be, am I going to burn in hell? Am I not going to burn in hell? Am I going to heaven Mm -hmm. or am I going to hell? That kind of a thing. And so... um. When we talk about hand washing and light switch flipping, we're talking about overt 
behaviors means i can see your behaviors i can see your craziness you know like are you moving this you know to get it right Mm -hmm. in the right place that's an overt behavior i have mostly covert behaviors which means you can't see what i'm doing it's mostly in my head Mm -hmm. a lot of people call it pure o but i hate that term because it can't possibly be pure o if there's only obsessions and no compulsions and you don't have ocd because you Mm -hmm. have to have obsessions and compulsions and so i don't like that but that's basically what we're talking about we're talking about autogenous ocd which means my brain comes up with this crazy shit and then i have to do weird stuff to make that go away and so, um, okay, I totally have that then. My, I'm self-diagnosing. <laughs> probably one in forty people have OCD. It's it's the WHO considers that the tenth worst in the whole world, tenth worst thing to have. You know, cancer and stuff is above that, but you, you know, it comes right in there. OCD mm-hmm. is debilitating. Um, or can be debilitating and if I say those intrusive thoughts out loud to someone like to Mm -hmm. my husband he's immediately like like, where do you come up with this stuff how do you because brains are weird brains just tell you that stuff yeah so very common I always start with this because it's super common and I'm not telling you that you don't have to say anything Mm -hmm. but uh it's very common for people to think they might be pedophiles um did I look at that kid for 12 seconds? Now, sometimes they're like, I must be a pedophile. Am I attracted to children? Other times, it's more like, what if someone saw me looking at that kid and thinks I'm a pedophile? So it doesn't, it's not always, mm-hmm. am I, I'm a pedophile. It's like, mm-hmm. right. The perception. Yeah, okay. right. It might be someone else might think I am. Um, sexual orientation. Uh, OCD. It used to be called homosexual OCD, but that's super offensive. So now it's called sexual orientation. And sometimes that's a gay person who is worried they might really be straight or a straight person thinks they might be gay. Trans, everybody's worried they're trans. And then trans people are worried they're not really trans and doing it for attention. Like it can take, it's sort of, it's really about identity. Am I who I think I am? Is at the heart, same with pedophilia OCD, is am I a pedophile or am I a good person you know like it's about identity (laughs) those are super common um intrusive thoughts or visions of violence uh fear of harm things like hit and run ocd someone hits a pothole they think they hit a person they look in the rearview mirror to check and they don't see a person um i once had to go and rescue somebody out of a parking lot because the parking lot had the speed bumps and so they would hit a speed bump and then check there didn't seem to be a dead body but then you know they'd have to they'd miss getting out of the parking lot so they'd go around and there was like six speed bumps and she was just trapped for hours and finally called me and i was like i'll come get you and so i mean i didn't get her get her but we you know we did the little therapy thing and we did the thing and she got out of the parking lot um most of the time ocd is about things that we are ashamed of or that there is judgment about um this house is dirty i'm contaminated uh Mm -hmm. you know maybe you put poison in my food maybe i put poison in your food like it's it's always so and and so people don't usually talk about their ocd because there's such a heavy if if you gave me something and i couldn't eat it what am i going to do say i can't eat this because i think you might have poisoned it a lot of us are aware that it's crazy we know it's crazy. Right. Like, we're like, mm-hmm. why is my brain doing this to me today? That's crazy talk. But I would, I you know, like I probably would say, well, I can't eat that because my brain's telling me you poisoned me. Because 
autism. But um, <laughs> but but most people wouldn't because they don't want to hurt your feelings. Most people don't want to look around someone's house and go, well, it's filthy in here. And even even that doesn't have anything to do with it. There are people who will walk into the ICU and think it's filthy. Like, it's not mm-hmm. really about – it's not – none of it's – well, some of it is real. Like – the fear, you know, you don't want to hit a person. That's legitimate. You don't mm-hmm. want to be arrested mm-hmm. as a pedophile. Also legitimate. Mm-hmm. Like, those are legitimate worries. But they, the people who come to me are not doing the things they're afraid they're going to do. Because if we did them all the time, we wouldn't be afraid. We'd either be, that would be in line with who we are as a human being, or we would have gotten over the fear of it. So it's, it's normally really crazy stuff. It can attach to anything. Relationships contamination based ocd is like insidious so i don't give a shit about getting sick not even a little bit i will lick the bottom of my boot right now it doesn't bother me Mm -hmm. but going out in public um like in the summertime especially and sitting like on a seat in the where the public is it's like i have this thing i can only call it biofilm i don't it's disgust based you know it's like not about me getting sick, but, like, someone might have sat there and what if they had, like, a pustule on their leg? Not that I'm going to get <laughs> sick, just that it's gross, you know. And yes. the thing that we want is we want certainty. And so mm-hmm. if someone came out, if I went to, let's say I went to a restaurant and I was, like, sketchy about the seat and they came out with maybe, like, a dry paper towel and a bleach water and they wiped it, I would probably be fine to sit on it. If they bring out a rag that they've been using mm-hmm. on every other surface in the restaurant, mm-hmm. I'm like, Meh. I don't know about that because I can't be sure it's clean. Mm-hmm. You know, so like OCD can take a whole bunch of forms, but it is also very treatable. Nobody has to suffer with OCD. It's treatable. There was a period in my life where I didn't leave my house, like at all. And now I'm a therapist. And I'm going everywhere. Let's talk about drugs for a minute. Do okay. you, um, and I always get mixed up. Are you able to prescribe? No. Okay, I didn't think no, so. No. Yeah. In Tennessee, you need an MD to prescribe. Some mm-hmm. states will allow, and I'm not sure offhand, I think maybe Connecticut's one of them, uh, where they will allow people with a PsyD, you know, so a psychologist to prescribe, but we need more prescribers because there are not enough mm-hmm. and then you know the shitty backhanded channels of the way politics works in this country is that psychiatrists were actively petitioning against psychologists being allowed to do that because everything in life is resource guarding like that's the key to conflict is you have something i want or you're trying to take something i have um but i'm master's level i don't i don't prescribe mm-hmm. i have some amount of knowledge but uh, truth is, they don't teach doctors about mental health, and they don't teach therapists about um, psych meds. So all of the learning I've done has been me learning about doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, are you a proponent of um, medication to help? Or? If you need it, I okay. I so I did not use. I don't. I use medication. I have lupus. I use medication for sleep, but I don't use anything for anxiety. Um, because my like highest fear of my whole life was vomiting and I just (laughs) last year managed to vomit without passing out. So that was a win for me. Um, but 
anything that has nausea is a side effect. I just was blocked from being able to do that. So I white knuckled my way through it. Some people need medication. Some people don't. Medication alone helps. It's not the best, but it helps. Therapy alone helps. Medication and therapy seems to help, like, is more comfortable mm-hmm. and, and quicker. But it. some people... I talk about meds with people, but like the only time I really go like you should go talk to somebody about meds is if your anxiety on the daily is like a 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. We can't we can't work on you being brave and facing something that scares you because you have no emotional resilience left. You're already stuck to the ceiling. I can't work with you because where are we supposed to go? So if you can't, you know, calm your shit, then we have no room to move the anxiety up and down so people like that usually benefit little kids benefit because parents drag their crazy kids in to like fix him he's weird you know but they have no buy-in they're not like well this is making my life miserable i'm willing to be brave and fix this so in kids medication can be very helpful because that brings again that brings that anxiety down enough so that they can engage and learn the skills but it's usually it's it's like depends on who you are and what you need I'm more of a homeopathic mm-hmm. type person and try to find at least supplements or some, well, you still have to be careful with, mm-hmm. um, but I guess try to find a more natural way, quote unquote, and not go the pharmaceutical mm-hmm. route. Like I don't take any pharmaceutical meds, mm-hmm. may probably should, um, but I have that, I have that fear of something. And that goes back to my childhood from where my mother was a nurse and took everything. Mm-hmm. So I... I'm the complete opposite and take nothing. So I'm battling with, well, do I need that? You know, do I need this medication or can I get past without it? Am I going to be okay without it? Sometimes. So a lot of time, well, I can't really say whether or not that's OCD. It can be, but my OCD people with it's contamination based, right? Mm -hmm. It's like the doctor says, here, take this. And before they're out of the office, they've Googled all the horrible ways that one person (laughs) on the planet has died from this. And I'm like, stop, you know, stop that. Like, that's not helpful. Um, and so that can be if if that's what if you're if you're just like well what if I take this and there's these side effects and what if what if you hear what if in your head a lot you're definitely dealing with anxiety mm-hmm. and usually OCD OCD says what if you do this then they'll be like what if you stabbed your mother then you would be a terrible person there's always mm-hmm. like a what if and then what does that mean like if you do this this means that and so if you're listening to your cognitions that can all that can be sometimes a notice that you should probably see somebody for ocd uh do you take supplements or i don't do you no i'm my mother would love me for me to take a multivitamin but i can't <laughs> i can't remember to do it. like honestly the adhd is a big problem if i sorted everything into my pillbox i might but um i take my meds at night because i'm used to that and i can't sleep without them mm-hmm. but i should but i don't Let's talk about some general solutions. Okay. We talk about, you know, having it mm-hmm. or being diagnosed with it. Um, just some general things that people can do to alleviate their symptoms, their anxiety, especially their anxiety, but maybe to alleviate the ADHD or the OCD. Is there is there anything? Well, so I I don't take them all the time. I took them this morning. Uh, so it wasn't completely random. I take meds for my ADHD. 
Um, I was diagnosed when I was working on my master's. I didn't know I had it. And uh, the first day I was medicated, like I just cried because I was like, this must be what it's like for other people. You know, it was amazing. Um, Can you explain to somebody that doesn't take meds that probably should how that feels like? The only thing I can tell you is it felt like my brain relaxed. It's now I take stimulants. So as a person with anxiety, a lot of times that's hard. I had to learn over the course of years that, you know, like I'll sometimes be like, am I going to have an anxiety attack, which I haven't had in forever. Um, and then I'm like, did I take my anxiety meds, my, my ADHD meds this morning? Cause it's a stimulant. Yes, I did. The minute I know, Oh, I took my meds. It just like goes away. But that's a lot of, you know, cognitive strength. I had to build that muscle mm-hmm. memory over the years. Um, it does not, the meds don't help with executive dysfunction. Me putting something somewhere and not remembering where I put it. There's no med that's going to help that. Not right anywhere on the world. But if I need to sit down and do like seat work, which is high executive function, low dopamine reward, I absolutely need that because and and like my mother, you know, that's what everybody did. She would come in and snap the TV off when I was doing my homework. That was the end of homework. Even now, if I'm doing something like when I get home from work, I play a video game while I have an audio book going in my ear and I have a pad of paper to the, my right side. And then I'm like, I need to do this and I need to do that because my brain is being medicated by the dopamine and I'm getting enough other sensory input that that part of my brain that's drowned out by the rest of this crap can go like, hey, don't forget to send that thing back, you know, like, and so then I make notes. Whether I can find the note later is totally that's that's up to like the fates, but but I'll make notes. Um, and so like I don't I don't know. I mean, you're not going to get ADHD meds without being tested first. Probably depends. I don't know who around here does it. Some people are a little bit more willing to do that. But the nice thing about ADHD medication is it's not like an SSRI, although there is Wellbutrin. Wellbutrin um, is used for smoking cessation, mm-hmm. and it works on dopamine receptors. And so there, Wellbutrin is a non-stimulant option, but that works like an SSRI. Oh, I think it's an S. I'd have to look it up. I can't mm-hmm. remember if it's an SSRI or not. But it can take, you know, two to four weeks to get going. But with that, other than that one, and maybe Stratera for little kids... All the rest of them are are take it and see what happens. Like I took my meds at seven o'clock this morning by seven forty five. My brain was like, all right, we're ready for the day. And so if you take it and you spend the day in abject misery because you're like stuck to the ceiling because your anxiety is so high. Guess what? It's not the med for you. Yeah. And I like those types of things. That are, are those instantaneous? Like, like if I if I got prescribed meds and I started uh, that first day. Would it, or does it have to build up? Oh, no, like, no, no. Well, the Wellbutrin would. Yes. But the stimulant ones, no. Okay. Like, you take it, and then you just know. Like, I have a friend that gave me an Adderall, mm-hmm. and that's when I figured out that I definitely have attention deficit disorder, because I did not have the speedy effects. The reason that they gave me the Adderall was they knew I had a lot of stuff to do, and as a stimulant, like, for yep. college-age kids that take it to go whatever, mm-hmm. and I was floored that I just felt good, yep. that I was able to accomplish, 
and stay on task. I got so much done that day, like, and not even over doing things, just just I was, a normal day. I was right. Yeah. I had a normal what? Yeah, whatever. A neurotypical yeah. day is what I'll yep. say. But because we're in Tennessee. It can be a lot harder uh, to be, and, and I'm not saying that would even be the right prescription for me, but it is a lot harder to get a diagnosis. Is it here. harder for women to get the, these medications? I wouldn't think so. So the tests for ADHD pretty much just look at executive dysfunction, and that's going to be the same across all genders and presentations. Mm-hmm. If you can't find where you put something like, that it doesn't matter what what your plumbing is right mm-hmm. so the ADHD diagnoses tend to be easier to get the ASD testing mm-hmm. is now i mean all the time researchers are coming up with new stuff and new stuff and new stuff so you know this is the big push and there'll be some testing that's more like already there are tests there's so when when people with autism try to be normal it's called masking and so like there are some sub measures in some of these tests to measure specifically masking and even if you don't score as autistic on something but you score really high on masking then you know the art the science of being a psychologist are these measures the art of it is looking across all these measures and going like if i look at this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing and based on this interview i'm comfortable saying this is true like um and so it's harder it's harder to be diagnosed as autistic as a woman if you know you present like me and if i had been tested at say 35 probably would have been told no but since i'm pretty dedicated to not masking anytime i can get away with it um it it was easier for me to answer questions and also being more aware of some of these other things which are kind of in this cluster of this problem like i have i have toxic levels of perfectionism which meant that like i on my for my masters it's it doesn't say it on my diploma which is depressing but it's a perfect 4-0 i didn't turn in anything i did not get a perfect a on that's messed up do like, you what know was that? why was that necessary right because you know? i was totally crushed the day that my mom told me hey gail do you know what they call the person who graduated last in their in the medical in their medical field and i'm like what what do you mean like well you know you have the val victorian mm-hmm. and then you have the person that scored the lowest but still graduated what doctor yeah like it's not on the degree we go to the people and we think oh they have that piece of paper surely they're fabulous they squeak by with a 70 Mm -hmm. we don't know that and we don't have it on yours Mm -hmm. that you squeak by like you didn't squeak by that you had a perfect score on Mm -hmm. everything that you did but notice what she said because she didn't turn anything in that would not have been correct a perfect score so how Gosh, how many hours did you have to spend with the stuff that wasn't perfect? Oh, no, no, no. no. That's what I do. Yeah. I turn out perfect work product. (laughs) Right. Um, Yes. But, you know, so areas of, for me, that are weaker are math, like advanced math, like calculus and that sort of stuff. And so when I went back to school to be a therapist, when I was taking classes that I knew were going to be challenging for me, I took one at a time. So I I had my kids at home. 
but I was doing like online classes. And so, I, you know, the time that I was taking the math requirements, that sort mm-hmm. of thing, I got that out of the way one class at a time. But when it was, you know, this other stuff, but also this is an area of special focus for me, This, which I didn't know at the time, but like it's easy for me to do a deep dive on all this stuff because mm-hmm. it's interesting to me. And so... I would like to talk about, and this is going to be tough because we're coming toward the end of what we need to talk about, but I would like to, because it's near and dear to me, when I was uh, 14, I almost succeeded in uh, trying to kill myself with just because I was out of it. I mean, you know, and I ended up spending about 90 days in a facility Mm -hmm. and, um, which actually helped me tremendously Good. because I did get a lot of tools mm-hmm. that helped me, I think, mask throughout right. life as well. Right. But I did get tools mm-hmm. on how to deal with some emotions and mm-hmm. different things like that. But uh, I also, on my journey in my life, my um, one of my closest friends' uh, sister uh, was diagnosed and had severe uh, bipolar schizoaffected disorder mm-hmm. and I'm sure many other things because mm-hmm. she had an eating disorder and all that and she finally after many attempts succeeded mm-hmm. in killing herself uh, on Thanksgiving of all times and um, so dealing with this and the fact that seeing her try to get help over and over and institutionalized over and over and not either having funding cut off or not having things. Um, tell me how you had um, mentioned that you would like to talk about this and what are the statistics for some of these things? And I, I know that you also in your um, field, you work with uh, all types of different person, but as people, especially in the LGBTQ community, and um, it's very near and dear to me as well. With my daughter has is a lesbian, and or she's actually fluid, so I would say pan. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And then her one of her partners, she's in a poly relationship, and one of her partners is uh, trans, male to female, mm-hmm. and. Um, I worry about things like that with them. I worry about mental health I, and and all of that, absolutely. So talk to us about what we can do preventatively, what we can do to be better allies, what we can look for, and some of the dangers in that. Yeah, that, okay. So I did not Thank come you. prepared with any <laughs> statistics on okay. suicide. Um, first, to your f- friend. Um, like I am not blaming your friend in any kind of a way. Right. There is a particular problem with people with bipolar disorder because mania can feel good, even if they're super aggressive. Like if you are, if you are four months barely able to drag your ass out of bed, and then you got a mania spike suddenly, you have like it feels good, even when the fallout from that is terrible. Mm-hmm. Um. So it's. If I have someone who's bipolar, the first question out of my mouth is, we still on our meds? Because we got to stay on our meds. Um, and so that would have been hard. Schizoaffective disorder is heartbreaking. And so it sounds like she had a whole bunch of stuff that makes everything way more complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, you know, the system is that when you go into places 
like if you end up peninsula you know there are people who are fully licensed there but a lot of times you're seeing like interns and that sort of thing um if you go you know like if you're going community mental health it's still interns there's nobody really wants to do that job because very overworked it's it's hard work to do most of the time you're not doing therapy when i got my degree and i was working in florida you know i i kind of had imagined i'd romanticize be talking about like self-actualization but really it was like you are wearing two shoes today good for you <laughs> right like yes two shoes did you pay your rent you paid your rent that's amazing because we're really working with people who have very limited amounts of anything mm-hmm. limited education a lot of you know some ignorance bad family like they have nothing and so then when you compound it with all of these other things like seasonal effect like that requires a lot of support and a lot of money she was mm-hmm. super smart oh like, sure i mean yeah. genius smart mm-hmm. and her eating disorder triggered sadly she was young and her mom and dad her mom's very thin was very thin her they were sitting there and they were in a mall situation, and she was just an earshot of them, but it was her dad that had said it, and he was joking. He mm. had deadpan, saw a woman walk by, and of course, this back in the olden days, and people body shamed about whatever, and had said, saw a woman who was much thinner than his wife, mm-hmm. and said, you know, that she wasn't skinny enough for him, or whatever, like, mm-hmm. oh, now... There you go. That's my type. And right. he was teasing. But what she took is because she had a few extra pounds mm-hmm. that her dad didn't find her attractive and mm-hmm. not in a sicko way, but because your mm-hmm. dad, that yeah. was your first love. Mm-hmm. And so she started um, an eating disorder. She started uh, throwing up with mm-hmm. bulimia and started anorexia and all this. But forever her, you know, part of the body dysmorphia was a big mm-hmm. thing with her. But she was super duper smart. And when she had her break, which I found out later happens a lot, um, she had her early 20s, which I think, you know, we found in college and things like that. A lot of this manifests. Yep. And that's what happens. Um, And I think that uh, that really and they they had okay money you know i Mm -hmm. mean i know they spent a lot on her um and a lot of time it was it was just uh it was a lot right um as far as like lgbtq community goes um using proper pronouns is and and the name that the person wants to use it goes a whole long way towards being protective except you got to do that with kids like parents need to do that with kids and we need to be mindful of not dead naming and that type of thing. And, um, but also, and, and I think this is an important thing just to say, it's, I, I mean, I have, I have some, I have many clients that are more like gender fluid where it's like, you know, we're all in, we're they, them and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so like, sometimes if I am busy, I just yesterday accidentally misgendered somebody, when that happens the right thing to do is just to go i'm sorry that's my fault and then restate you know a lot of us get defensive or you know whatever but especially if your gender is changing and all the people around you have known you this way like it's gonna happen for a while 
And then, but we need to be, the people who have done the thing need to be open enough to go, I apologize. Yeah. Let me fix that. Without, like, there doesn't need to be any shame around it. It's just like, just just fix it. Yeah, I fixated way too much all the time because Mm -hmm. I met um, her uh, partner, uh, who she, dead name, who Mm -hmm. she used to be. And uh, it was part of my mental mm-hmm. illness is if I met you as such blink dink that's where it is right. and it takes me a while you know um to recalibrate mm-hmm. so we finally we had we got to sit down and have a actual mm-hmm. conversation about it and it was like I am not trying to be disparaging mm-hmm. or you know un- not agreeable I love you. I want you to be happy. I want you to be who you are on the outside, who you are on the inside. Mm-hmm. I want all of this for you. Please forgive me and show me just a little grace and mercy, but I'll work on it. Mm-hmm. And I rarely mess up now. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not a purposeful thing. Like, never am I operating out of a place of uh, trying to be an asshole. That right. isn't who I am as a person. I don't, I, you know, that's not a mm-hmm. thing. I can seem to be challenging about things. And with children, I think, yeah, you, you definitely want them uh, to be able to identify however they are, however they see themselves. But at the same time, I mean, you know, my granddaughter want, is a cat, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, we meow, 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 but I'm not going to set up a litter box for her to use, you know, her own personal litter box as a cat because she's not a cat. She is right. a human being. Mm-hmm. And so um, you can change that. I wanted to be a boy when I was young, not because I wanted to actually be a boy, they just did cooler stuff mm-hmm. than they were bottlenecking girls into. Right. I happened to be mechanically inclined. I had a brother that was five years older than me, and he was by far doing way more interesting things mm-hmm. than I was. And and you associated that with being a boy. With being Therefore, a boy, you wanted to not, be a boy. Correct, not, but yeah. not that I actually wanted to be a boy. I like you know would wear boys clothes I had a boy's haircut I went to the barber and lied to him and told him I was one of my brothers and he gave me a buzz cut my mom wasn't happy about it I was tired of people mentioning my red hair all the time you know it was a well when you're talking about like specifically about kids you know that's what you needed at that time it's hair it grows back correct and if you want to wear i mean i'm sitting here now my jeans are actually bought for women Mm because my shape is that of my son keeps telling me buy cargo pants because i don't like carrying a purse Uh i'm like you don't understand they're not going to fit on me because of my you know my pair Mm -hmm. my hourglass shape thing but this shirt's a man's shirt this is Mm -hmm. a unisex shirt uh the boots are unisex the socks are unisex and the bras for women you know but like what does that mean about me? You know, like Just you can wear a person who likes to be comfortable. Right. right. And so like, so with kids, if they're like, call me David, fine david yes there you are you want to get your buzz cut right. fine yeah and and just let them do what they need to do I, parents get way too wrapped up in this gender stuff and mm-hmm. i'll just let's just say this now nothing happens fast if someone's under 18 if they want to go on on puberty blockers you have to go to an endocrinologist which means you have to have a note from a therapist which means you have to be in therapy so that's not an instant decision mm-hmm. 
Nobody gets their Ghibli bits cut off instantly. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you have to be at least 18 to have uh, the top surgery done. I don't even care. I'll write anybody a letter for top surgery. If you regret that, I guess you get breast implants like Fletcher said we've been doing forever. Like if you want to go back on that, then fine. Like as long as you're aware, you know, that you're having a major surgery and whatever. And then as far as bottom surgery goes, it's seventy to $90,000 and it mm-hmm. takes... If you want phalloplasty, that's six separate surgeries. Like, nobody goes into that on a whim. Like, yeah. nobody. That is not true. That is that is just some ignorant stuff people spout to be like, well, don't cut your penis off. Like, it doesn't happen like that. That's There's, a huge decision as well. That may take decision. years to... It's out of reach of most people yeah. in the United States anyway. And um, it takes like seven months of recovery more or less because you have to have so many surgeries you can't i mean for a while and for you know for trans women the bottom surgery there's a whole like they reconstruct your entire you know saddle there like Mm -hmm. that's a lot of like laying on your back packed with ice there's you have to have certain amount of people to help take care of you and all the it is not like something impulsive like getting your nose pierced like Mm -hmm. i don't know where we got this idea but none of that stuff happens fast at all Mm -hmm. and so um so whatever let your kid wear you know whatever and climb trees or let your boys wear dresses if they want to wear dresses it's like it's clothes it's just window dressing and gender is a societal construct Mm -hmm. i've never once in my life felt female never I, I can feel feminine. I do not feel male either. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying my gender is fluid or anything like that. But mm-hmm. have you ever once felt female? Like the biological female part of that? I don't. Like, so what are we talking about? We're talking about how do I dress? How do I act? And what are the things I do in the world? When I've been lying in the floor with a hot water bottle, clotting and cramping to death, that's when I feel the most womanly yeah but <laughs> yeah feel female you know what i mean like that's i think we feel it when we're out of alignment so people who are like this is not right this is not the body i was supposed to be in mm-hmm. but in that case they're not really feeling their gender they're feeling the profound mismatch mm-hmm. and so you know most of us exist on some continuum of gender fluid anyway right you know if you saw I, me today totally what does believe this that. even mean That's that everyone how is gender fluid in some well way. there are people who are very firmly pegged mm-hmm. like everything else there are people mm-hmm. who are very pegged out on either end of the spectrum but mm-hmm. you know a lot of times we're just talking about you know other stuff and a lot of it is bucking against what you've been socialized to do Mm -hmm. and so if you're a boy who's not that interested in rough and tumble and would rather watch broadway musicals regardless Mm -hmm. of who you think you'd like to have sex with why can't you watch broadway musicals like just let the kid do what he wants to do Mm -hmm. and so if parents left alone and just let kids just let kids just let them do they'll find their own way we do so much damage to other people by shooting our mouth off all the time about this that and you know here's what i think and it's like your friend who overheard a chance comment which was either a meant maliciously b not at all or it was like totally you know like but that gets into your head with them but it went straight in and found that dark gooey place and Mm -hmm. it's and it went in there and it grew legs like you never know who's listening and so yeah and so if you're careful about just honoring someone's 
person. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't, yeah, I don't understand why people have all these opinions about I am so happy and grateful. I did have a wonderful mom. I mean, you know, she had issues. We yeah, all everyone do. Has we issues. all do. Mm-hmm. But as far as not um, making any of us feel, you know, I think that uh, she let us express ourselves mm-hmm. to the best of our mm-hmm. self-expression. And I think that's what I like about the burn community. Like mm-hmm. I just was at a regional burn. Mm-hmm. And so I'm still, I'm feeling a lot of drop from that. I got yeah. a lot of stuff in my head and rounding about, mm-hmm. but I love the inclusivity of it. And I, um, while talking to some uh, LGBTQ people in the community uh, and trying to be good allies, because I know sometimes it doesn't sound like you're a good ally or if you have a differing opinion or whatever, I I could be completely and totally 100% wrong. Um, but I think that we need to find a balance about when it's time to speak up and then when we need to step away and let the community work mm-hmm. as the community. So oh, so you're talking about still being an, an ally and when to when to say something. Well, Technically, yeah. When to I mean, not. it's yeah. a yeah, it's a big deal when you have people that you love dearly in uh ev- everything that they do, they're people. So just because they're part of the LGBTQ community doesn't mean that everything that they do and everything that they think is golden. Just like mm-hmm. This community, the BDSM community, not everybody that's in the BDS community, BDSM community is golden. No, you know? every community's got assholes. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Through it, through it all. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, sometimes uh, you can see your perspective of something and it's not necessarily right, but it's not necessarily wrong either. And I'm trying to figure out the middle ground for this because like you i'm i'm 57 Mm -hmm. so i've got literally fuck off fuck Mm -hmm. off that is how i feel about a lot of stuff it's like listen i know but this isn't because you're gay this is just because this is life this isn't because you're in bdsm this is life Mm -hmm. you know there are things that are just life right and that's where i get a lot of i don't know well i I think i think in terms of like <laughs> being in spaces, being aware of whether or not that space is for you, um, this is hard. It's hard for um, white women to sit down and shut up. Even mm-hmm. when we're trying to be good allies, sometimes the right thing for us to do when it's mm-hmm. racial stuff is to mm-hmm. shut up. Yeah. And yes. not say anything. Yeah. And I so, noticed like, that yesterday with the whole mm-hmm. on social media with the whole Chris Rock and Will Smith yeah. thing. And they were talking about black women's hair and how mm-hmm. you don't talk about it and everything. And you did have a bunch of white women. I didn't say anything mm-hmm. because number one, I don't care. It's some elitist mm-hmm. stuff that I have no nothing with. And it's just them my, attention. My seeking. only my the where I waited in was that I think the world would be a better place if we all stopped hitting other people unless it's consensual yeah and you're paying for that yeah right like that's that's different um but you know let's not hit each other like there's got to be better ways um and then i got into a whole bunch of difficulty with some friends of mine who are also white women um 
saying that like a joke like that is violence and i i think we are getting i mean human beings don't do moderation well so the pendulum swings one way for a long time and then it swings mm-hmm. real hard the other direction and then you would hope over the course of time it will mm-hmm. eventually settle into some sort of a middle place and words do hurt when i was a kid you know that sticks and stones bullshit that's not mm-hmm. true but also i think it's possible to hear a thing and it not be violence like mm-hmm. yes it can be if your mother's like you stupid whore like that's not good for you right um but i think we've gotten a little too sensitive on like words are violence words can be violence sometimes they're just words mm-hmm. and sometimes like my position although i really don't care they are not my friends no one's asked me what i actually thought none of the three that were involved went hey what do you think but um is chris rock shouldn't have said what he said absolutely and there should be no hitting yeah no hitting i think that us being quiet is a big deal and i think that one thing that some people that i have noticed uh in the black community especially with women I mean, for a lot of women, Will Smith standing up for Jada so demonstratively made a big impact because they haven't been. Mm -hmm. There have been many, many, many times men thinking they're chivalrous or whatever that have taken taken a bullet for a white woman or whatever. There's been a lot of that throughout our life as part of our privilege i think this protection of things and i think that for a very long time and you're finding out more and more the more history that you know the more um information that we're privileged to access now that we weren't always able to Mm -hmm. access i mean we've had gatekeepers we've discussed politicians Mm -hmm. and and people that are making policy there's been so many gatekeepers about what's real and what isn't real you know or look that was that person's experience but this is 150 different people had this experience and it wasn't good and i think for a long time people have not stood up for black women i think that the family unit in a lot of black communities has been you know pillaged and set back you know but of course i don't i'm not a black woman so i don't know i just know that my friends that i have that are black women these are things that i have noticed that i see the disparity you know Mm -hmm. so i can see how there are going to be a lot of people that are pro will for taking up for jada just because of the fact that there's so little of that demonstrated on that type of forum like that like don't that's true don't and, be disrespectful right, to my true. queen that's you know true. and uh, but it's black not okay women, to smack them well black women do need <laughs> right. to be protected and they yes. are, it is the hardest job in the world to be a black woman because yeah. nobody cares correct um it may only be harder if you are a black trans woman um but you know because if you look at worldwide statistics of trans people who die it's disproportionately black trans women but i think just in general as a sort of like let's move towards all being nicer to each other let's not make jokes like that that's not for joking and also let's stop hitting in general don't hit your kids don't hit your dogs don't you know don't hit each other um 
but like everything else, that situation is much more nuanced mm-hmm. than the little 12-second clip everybody yes. saw. Mm-hmm. Well, and so most of us don't need to really even have an opinion because unless someone, unless Jada comes directly to mm-hmm. me and says, what do you think about that? Then mm-hmm. it really doesn't matter. So I think as, it's all sensationalism as well. And people have other things to worry about. Like right now, uh, you have the wife of a sitting Supreme Court justice... You know, sending text messages back and forth, talking about sensitive information with other members in the government. And, you know, those are the things that you need to worry about of the tail wagging the dog, Mm -hmm. this slate of hate and whatever. Nobody cares. Honestly, nobody cares about trans kids. You know, little Billy who was born Jessica, who's in the fourth grade, has no impact on the world at all, at all. Mm-hmm. Why is everybody? Because it's such a hot button issue. It's even less important than abortion because abortion, you can at least make an argument like, you know, I might not agree with you, but I can see your argument. Right. But trans kids, again, if, you know, your son wants to wear a dress, just let him wear a dress. Who's he hurting? He's hurting no one. But if we pay attention to that which they did in Florida, Mm -hmm. then we're not not paying attention Mm -hmm. to how much Russian money is funneled into the GOP. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a Democrat either. I think actually my personal preference, and have been saying this for decades, is we need to roll the guillotines up up (laughs) and start all over again because this has gone rotten at its core. But a lot of this stuff... We are definitely in agreement there. (laughs) A lot of this stuff is to keep us focused on the circus Mm -hmm. so we do not see what's going on behind it. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge problem. Well, and not... I I didn't know until the... um, Because I don't keep up with any Mm -hmm. of these people that Jada has alopecia. And so as a licensed cosmetologist for the last 37 years, I mean, that is a, it's a definitely difficult thing for women to deal with a lot and children. A lot of people don't realize that wicks for kids, people get mad at them for not giving cancer patients free wigs. Wigs for kids wasn't designed for cancer kids i mean yes they're happy to do wicks for that but it was designed for kids born Mm -hmm. with alopecia who are not sick who then do you have cancer are you sick why don't you have any hair that's another thing though that society has put on women is women have to have the good hair becky with the good Mm -hmm. hair Mm -hmm. and now for the thing is i'm also a comic and i don't know if chris rock knew that about her or what but women it's a lot of it's very fashionable it's very freeing for a lot of women a lot of women going at for needing a complete and total change a lot of women feel like energy is in your hair so if they come out of very bad relationship a lot of times they will shave their head and so i don't know if the joke was malicious or came from a point where he just saw Jada's new hairstyle and thought, hey, maybe she's auditioning for a movie, you know, whatever. He didn't say, I mean, he could have made a joke like, well, you know, we might have to give to the whatever cancer fund or so, you know, he could have made a super a way worse joke than G.I. Jane joke is all I'm saying. Like it was bad enough because Will knew what was up and Jada knew what was up. So it was highly offensive. But people that didn't know any better, it would not have come off 
as as offensive. And I think that's where you get a lot of the people that are on the Chris Rock side. He should be able to say or whatever. But I, I had to Google it actually because mm-hmm. I. I, I I've seen a lot of black women with shaved heads are gorgeous. Yes, yes. I thought that was just a style choice. Right. I had no idea. And that's, but I also am not like I don't follow any. I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm not on TikTok. I've other things to do. I'd rather play video games than I don't care. And then I saw some other stuff about like I also well, Jada cheated on Will and Will played around too. And so like it, it was. I was aware <sighs> of the whole like. It, you know, it's weird to me, and I got this from Dan Savage. You know about the Savage Love podcast? Yes. Yeah. yeah. He, I got this from him. He's like, if you talk to people in relationships and you say, like, if someone broke in here right now and they had a gun, would you throw yourself in front of your partner? And almost everybody would be like, absolutely, I would, yes. But then if they have sex with another person, it's over. Yeah, and it's like, how, how can you... You'd be willing to give up your life, but this is unforgivable. And so, like, even within that whole kind of context of all of this shit show that was yesterday you know i was like oh look here's still this sort of monogamy only whatever whatever and as far as i know they may have had again i'm not up to date on their relationships but how do you know it wasn't like you know a negotiated thing they're still That's together exactly. they are it yeah. is for them it as may well, have started out way. as cheating like because you can still cheat if yes. you're in open yeah, relationships there's still cheating yes it may have been cheating but if it led to other discussions and they have a different way of being everybody leave them the fuck alone right it's their business exactly so i had to google it as well mm-hmm. that's how i found out she had alopecia because i was like oh my gosh does she have cancer is he oh, I you thought know she looked fabulous i thought she did too so i was like what are they dealing with but i had read you know making fun of her health issue and mm-hmm. i thought what in the heck you know so i i was just like oh wow so then i had to go back and watch it mm-hmm. on youtube because i didn't even watch the awards i was mm-hmm. i didn't even know they were going on and if honestly if that hadn't happened if will hadn't smacked chris probably nobody would have known right. they were going on i think that they have tanked quite a bit nobody really cares you know what they have in the ivory tower but i'm just saying like it does suck i hate to say it but we have to to wrap up we have to wrap up i have learned so much today and i would really love to have you back at a later later date to talk about other stuff because i don't i mean we really just tip of the iceberg Mm -hmm. of these things and i know there's a lot of my friends out there who struggle with their mental health and with turning 50 mm. being the age and i worry a lot about the the younger generation growing up and i want them to be diagnosed and live their best life well the one thing i could say about the youngsters is like i can be out in town and if i've got somebody's in their 20s or early 30s I'm like that's my therapist like there's oh. no there's no shame in it mm-hmm. everybody you that's know, really good to hear you know that is they good. are all about like hey you can't come up on me like that i have anxiety like it it's a thing it, whereas like you know your parents would never have talked about their mental yeah. health you right. know and I mean, I do now because I do this, but like that's that is very promising. What is equally disturbing is nine year olds saying they have dissociative identity disorder, otherwise known as multiple personality disorder. That's mm-hmm. what it used to be called at like nine because mm-hmm. of TikTok. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you don't. Honey. Yeah, no, you don't. But so, you know, again, we don't do moderation well, but I think the younger generation is actually doing this thing and i have a lot and if therapy was more affordable i think a lot more people would be in therapy yeah uh yes definitely i think that uh i mean 
It is. The stigma is a lot different. And Mm -hmm. people my age or older, maybe in the 30s, I I like that they're seeing that it's more open Mm -hmm. because you are penalized. I personally was penalized on even getting my driver's license, having been in a mental health facility Mm -hmm. for any time, having been institutionalized. Mm -hmm. I was penalized on... Uh, medication, Mm -hmm. whether I could get medication or certain medication or whatever. I mean, every time in this doctor chart for years, that whole thing Mm -hmm. had followed me through to a deficit, not as a positive, not as, oh, you got you needed help and you got help. It was now I'm stigmatized Mm -hmm. for getting the help. So it is great to know that you do want to try to get that help before crisis. (laughs) Um, It's crisis. It's crisis that makes that can make that hard, Mm -hmm. Um, especially like people who have tried to commit suicide by swallowing their pills. You're going to have problems getting pills from then on. Oh, yeah. Which is a bit of a knee jerk reaction and an overcorrection. But no, I think I I mean, I would love to be back on. There's lots to talk about, a lot to unpack with mental health if people have questions for you where can they find you they can find me at karen at knoxbehavioral.com okay great and what about you galicious uh cabin girl time on all everything everywhere yeah everywhere every, everywhere and if you have a question for us hey we got one email let's get another i gotta tell you it was not easy to find that email Really? Really. We say it all the time. Email us at gabbingirltime.gmail.com. ADHD. Uh, <laughs> so afterwards, I went looking for it, and it was did just Did you find it in the description? No, it was on my or phone. you just it's found hard it on to, Facebook? I ended up going through Facebook, and then I found it. Well, that's you a good way to do us, too. Facebook message us on the page at Gabbing Girl Time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then yeah. please give me your information again, because I'd like to put it in the description. It's Karen mm-hmm. at Knox Behavioral, K-N-O-X. B-E-H-A-V-I-O-R-A-L dot com. And, and if I, anyone's looking for testing, I don't do testing. We do testing. Over there. Oh, There's great. lots of people that do testing. Yes. And although we're all like on a wait list, we also have an ARNP over there who is uh, well-versed in ADHD, autism, and is safe for the queer community. And here are a couple of books that you could read if you're interested in diagnosing yourself like I am. <laughs> um, I believe that's Janara Nuremberg's Divergent Mind, which I have read. Um, if you want to borrow my copy, you can, which is a wonderful book. And that is Thriving in a World That Was Not Designed for You. And then San Soldan's A Radical Guide for Women in ADHD. Embrace neurodiversity live boldly and break through barriers so i'm definitely going to pick that one up and the neur- this divergent mind is available as an audiobook for those oh, of us who cannot nice. sit still and read yes because i like audiobooks because i can do other stuff yes, yes. I pay. I, this one probably isn't but this one is available it's like a six hour audiobook right and as always, I, I am Braddy Von Beaverhausen on Instagram, and I am Bruce Tonsils on FET and TikTok. Yay! Yay. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Karen, for coming in. You're I mean, welcome. I really enjoy stimulating conversation and getting into someone's brain mm-hmm. and then them getting into my brain. So I have enjoyed this thoroughly, and I really want you back. And our listeners, Same. I hope you enjoyed this as well. And Give us some questions. And therapy is good. 
Therapy is good. And we all need a little help. Yeah. And you know what? I was going to ask you if you were going to sing with us, but... Oh, no. that's not going to happen. Yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> It's uncomfortable that you did it in the first place. Thanks for making it's our me go gimmick, this a though. Our time. gimmick. I'm telling you, Charlotte goes around the house and she goes, "Gimmick, girl time." And I was like, "Go, girl." Yeah, yeah. You've never even heard an episode. That's <laughs> awesome. Love it. And to our listeners, we thank you so much for listening to Gavin Girl Time. Gavin Girl Time. Gavin Girl Time. No more fucks to give. The end. We're out. Yay!